Hey, everybody, it's Ashley, Legal Queen LA, and we're back with another episode of The Royalty Room. And someone very, very, very important stopped by today. He goes by the name of Howard Johnson, a.k.a. Hojo. Yes. How are you feeling today? Life is good. I have no complaints. I'm standing still, just appreciating everything that has taken place. Wow. That was, the I think, the deepest answer that I've ever gotten. <laughs> Um, I was on my way here and I was listening to your records and it just instantly put me in a good mood. Like I was, I was like, you know, while I'm driving, just having a good time and just feeling good. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Um, what, what actually, you know what song? Why don't we play the clip for the people so they can see what I'm talking about? What a time. Yes, it was special. Yeah. It was definitely special. Did you know that Kashif, Teddy Riley, Keith Sweat, that really was the beginning of hip hop? I absolutely do know that. And I am so happy to hear you say that because I've been watching and attending all of these 50th anniversaries of hip hop things. And I just recently looked at my friend and said, why has Teddy Riley not been on any of these things? And they said what everybody else says. What does that have to do with hip hop? I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, yes. People quickly forget. You, you got to remember that America is really based on a fast food mentality. Oh, tell me more about that. Well, I mean, once upon a time, Burger King really changed things when they said that you can get a meal for under 60 seconds. Mm. That's when it started breaking up the family amongst other political things that were taking place during that particular time. But it was just said that, hey, now mom is starting to work. And when mom was working, who was going to cook dinner? Mm -hmm. So it was just easier to go to Burger King and get your meal under 60 seconds, or go to Kentucky Fried Chicken and go through the drive-in because they never really had drive-ins before that except for a drive-in where you would go sit in a car. And, you know, so a lot of things changed at that particular time. And then when, when an artist would become 25, 26, 27 years old, all of a sudden, it was like, well, you're kicked to the curb. And where, where's your cousin? You got a little brother that sings or whatever. Then they started to manufacture artists. Wow. Wow. The correlation, I didn't see it before, but I, that's probably the most accurate thing I've ever seen. I, I know I've spoken to a couple of people who have told me, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm not really this age. I'm actually, you know, five years older. Yes. Or six years older. And when I first got to L.A., I'm like, you did not just lie to me about your age. I'm sorry. <laughs> can can you run that back? But it's not to me. It's to everybody. It's to Wikipedia. It's to, yes, you know. Absolutely. what? Uh, wow. You kind of touched on a lot with that one. Well, when you think about, you know, what music was back in the day, 
And I'm going to use an analogy that has to do with being an athlete, a weightlifter, where he would bend down and he would grab the weight and he would, you know, clean and jerk it up to his chest. Then he would push it up over his head. Look at the music business. The music business used to help pick it up, jerk, clean it up to your chest, and then help you push it up. And then they would take over. Now, record companies go, you got it? Oh, we'll take it from there. Mm. They let us do all the work, or they let the new talents do that work, or they create that character, and it's already propped up. So that's why you see the musicianship from myself or a Kashif or a Teddy Riley, uh, those guys from that era, they could play everything. They could do everything. Now a guy can go on his computer and think about garage band, mm -hmm. you know, where you can sit there and make a song on an airplane. Right. Anybody can make it. And, you know, there's a manufactured beat that's already there. Oh, give me a beat like, you know, like, you know, the Funkadelics, or give me a beat like, you know, the Spinners or whatever. Type beats. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So the, the the whole process has changed. And I have I have no qualms against, you know, moving forward and passing the baton. But when you pass that baton, when you run, let me see you run without all of the bells and whistles. Mm -hmm. You know, let, let me hear you sing a cappella. Let me hear you, you know do something where all the bells and whistles are not ringing and blowing. Right. You know? No, honestly, I, I've asked that uh, a couple of times. How do you feel about, you know, the accessibility of music today uh, compared to in the beginning? But I do want to ask you, what was your experience like entering the music industry in the time that you did as a young black man coming into stardom? Wow, that's a complex question because when I came into the industry, I was already in the industry. And what I mean by in the industry is that both my parents were singers, not professional singers. I grew up in the church, so my parents sang in church. So with that, I was already exposed to singing in front of an audience. I was exposed to performing without music because I grew up in, in a church of Christ where they didn't have music. So I had to sing acapella. Um, so I was already exposed to it. And, and, and a slight story of how and where I was discovered in Miami beach, singing at a nightclub, making $45 a week, singing six nights a week from eight o'clock to three o'clock in the morning. $45 for the entire week. For the entire week. Whew. And in that process, I had taken a week off, and I found out when I came back, the group, the rock group, Yes, had came through, and they wanted me to be in Yes, and I just kind of took it with a grain of salt. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> so that following week, a real good friend of mine uh, from high school, Lulu, uh, called me on a Thursday night and says, hey, some people are going to come down and hear you sing tomorrow night. I was like, okay, whatever. Um Three guys showed up. One of the guys had on a red and white uh, halter top, red spandex pants, and cowboy boots. <laughs> and I thought that was pretty strange, so I was making some inappropriate jokes. And now I was only singing background because there was a problem with the lead singer, a little jealous of my voice. 
So I was playing percussion because I, you know, grew up in Miami, Coconut Grove with a lot of Cubans. So percussion was my thing. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, cool, I'll sing background. So that particular night he had laryngitis and reluctantly asked me to, did I know the show songs, which was three songs. Uh-oh. It was Al Green's uh, Love and Happiness, Lenny Williams' Choosing You, and Masquerade by George Benson. So I did the show, and there's only five people in the club, but I sang like it was my last time. And to give you a little bit of paying forward, what I would say to young people that are doing this or anything that you're doing in life, give it a hundred every time because you never know who's watching, who's listening, and who you may inspire. So I gave it a hundred percent. It didn't matter whether it was five people or 500 people. So the three guys came to me after the show and asked me, you know, uh, could I come to the hotel the next day? And I was feeling a little strange because I was having a problem with the spandex pants. <laughs> so, so I showed up the next day, and it ended up being um, the leader of a group, uh, and the guy's name was Sandy Toronto. And the name of the group was called Tornado. And make a long story short, the lead singer that was leaving the group was a guy named Larry Alexander, who was Phyllis Hyman's husband, and he was beginning to manage her. So that's how I got the job. Six months later, I had a pop hit that I co-wrote with Sandy. If you want it, you can get it with your love. That's exactly what I was listening to on the way. Right. <laughs> so so you you never really know until you put yourself in that position. And the the saying that a lot of athletes say that, you know, I'm always ready. I don't have to get ready because mm-hmm. I'm already ready. So that's the kind of thing that I, I try to instill in, in the next level is to be ready. Because you never, you never know what's going to be asked of you, you know, to do what it is that, that, that you need to do. So. I appreciate that. Um, and since you were already involved in the industry, but once you stepped into that light after, with that song, how did did anything change? Um, what were some of the challenges you faced? Challenges. Well, being a singer, a real singer. Let's be clear. <laughs> <laughs> um challenges wow he said it was smooth sailing no it it, it wasn't smooth sailing my, my dad told me this my I quote my dad a lot I lost my dad 10 years ago and my dad says son whatever it is that you're going to be in life be the best if you're going to be a janitor be the best if you want to be a singer be the best but remember the best is unknown mm. if you're a singer if you're a musician, if you're a janitor, whatever it is, be it. So I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do a janitor's job. I am a janitor. That's what I do. I don't sing for a living because I don't think I did very well at it. I live to sing. So I look at singing totally different. Because look at it, the, the way that I look at it. You don't have to look at it. Every note has a beginning, a middle, and an ending. 
if you respect that one note, guess what you would do with a word? Mm. Guess what you would do with a verse, a chorus, a song? I remember working with Willie Mitchell, who was Al Green's uh, producer and co-writer. And he said to me, he says, listen to this song. And he played one of Al Green's songs, and there was a mistake in it. And I pointed out the mistake. And he goes, listen to the whole song. That was a whole vibe. Because that's why I kind of like the new generation, because they use that word a lot. I think it's overused. <laughs> Very but, much You know, so. they talk about that vibe. And, and I got it. I went, oh, okay, I, I get it. But the thing that I think that's missing in that vibe is soul. Mm. Not just soul music. I mean soul. Right. So when I listened to the Al Green song and I went, wow. Like I work with new guys in the studio and they'll stop me and go, don't ever stop me. You don't know what was about to happen. You have no idea. So with the advent of, you know, doing whatever you can do digitally now, it's like, yo, you can clean that up or I can sing that again, but don't kill my vibe. Let let, let it happen. Yeah. Because you never know what might have happened. So. Wow, that's good. That is also really good advice for whoever is starting out because when I I made some music um, and I'll be like, I hate that. I want to redo that. I want to, you know, take it back from the top. Da, 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 da. I personally get in the way of myself. Mm. And don't let myself complete it before mm -hmm. stopping for a mistake or or change the tone, do this, right. do that. And I don't know anything about behind the computer. Mm -hmm. I just, you know, show up and, and run my mouth just <laughs> like I do here. <laughs> but um, I definitely have gotten in my way. Right. And I've left songs unfinished mm -hmm. because of it. Because it's like, well, I don't know how to make this the way I want it to sound. Well, I'll, I'll tell you something about one of the greatest producers that ever lived, and that is Quincy Jones. Absolutely. Quincy Jones was such a talent that he got the best out of this particular musician or whatever, and he stayed out of the way. And that's what a great producer does. And not to take anything away from the producers that you've had in the past, maybe you just didn't have the right producer that was on the same wavelength that understood what that was that you needed right. because we all need nurturing. It's like in, in a relationship, one day there's a flower, then there's a gardener. Sometimes you have to switch. Mm, wow. You know what I mean? Because yeah. some people, some people say, I'm, I'm just a flower, so I need nurturing, I need watering, you need to do this and you need to do that. And it's like, yo, do you think the gardener ever gets tired? Tired, thirsty. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the, the roles have to switch sometimes. And, and that's the key thing sometimes is having the perfect producer that understands all of those different nuances of who you are, where you want to be. And it's like, I'll ask you, would you rather be rich or would you rather be famous? Rich. Why? Because I feel like the fame comes with a lot of things that I didn't ask for. And what does rich come with? A lot of things I didn't ask for that's <laughs> out of the public eye. <laughs> I love it. I love but it. I, I guess it could go the other way, too, because right. um, J. Cole said, I never wanted to be famous. I just wanted to make a difference. Mm -hmm. And how do you make a difference? People have to know you. Right. People have to hear you. People have to see you. So mm -hmm. he didn't ask 
to be famous. He didn't ask to be rich. He just wanted to change the world. Right. And you can't necessarily do that without having the platform to do it. Yeah, but but I'll go back to my dad saying, sometimes the best is unknown. What happens then? Who are the best musicians in the world? Probably jazz musicians and probably yes. classical musicians that are broke. Yeah. Some of the best artists in the world. Do you think that Michelangelo and... And, and Picasso and all of those guys, and maybe they're exceptions to the rule because they were famous during the time that they were doing it, but all of the other artists that are famous after they're dead in their work or whatever, you know what I mean? How many die broke and lonely? Yeah. You know what I mean? I just learned some, some crazy history about Frida Kahlo. Mm. That is yes. quite possibly one of the saddest yes, stories yes. um, I've ever heard of. Yes. God rest her soul. Yeah. Um, you really, and that goes back to my main purpose in starting this show. Like, you really never know what people are going through. Absolutely. Um, but pain makes some really good Oh, art. yes, it does. Yeah. I mean, it's like when you, when you think of someone like Richard Pryor, you know what I mean? And all of his jokes you know, rose out of pain, you know, and, and he was saying things that we wanted to say, and it's like, uh, and he said, and it's like, oh, that's funny, and it's like, wow, a lot of pain comes from that, I'm, and and I can relate to that as being a singer, because growing up in, in Miami, I was like, there was no Haitians yet in Miami, mm -hmm. and there were no Africans in Miami at the time, so like, I was the darkest black kid I got murdered by my own kind being called tar baby, shoe polish, or whatever until I stepped on the stage and, and, you know, sang. And then it was like, oh, you one of us. And then I was the first black kid with a car at 15 years old. And they were like, oh, well. And then, fortunately or unfortunately, I was hanging out with white kids on Kibis Cane where Nixon lived. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And it was like, yo, y'all not giving a brother no love. So what, what What am I supposed to do? It was a, It was about goodness then, kindness, understanding. Wow. It just wasn't about, you know, as they say, all skin folk ain't kin folk. Ooh. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it was like, wow, why am I being, you know, I, I thought we were, you know, we lived in the same neighborhood. We walked to school together, but all of a sudden, you know, hey, tar baby. Really? Oh, okay. So when I got on stage, so out of that, that's why I said that I didn't or don't sing for a living because I never looked at the money. Mm -hmm. I looked at being the best that I could possibly be. And no, I couldn't outfight you, but I'll get on stage and I'm going to sing a high note and I'm going to break your glasses. Ooh, yes. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it was like, oh my God, you, you know, and, and my life is in my music. You know, if people, and I told you this earlier off camera, sometimes you just got to pay attention. I mean, you can ask me a million questions, but if you listen to my music, when you go back to the days of someone like Joan Baez or, or, or Bob Dylan or whatever and listen to those lyrics, and it's like, wow. The, really? I mean, to me, I think that's why Mary J. Blige was so successful is because she just told her life story. Right. And everybody was relating to that. And it's like, oh, my God, Mary. 
Ooh, we are with you. Mm. And I was like, you know, oh, okay. I get that. So, Wow. I wish I could go. I Personally, I wish I could sing. Like, that is the one talent, one thing that I wish above all else that I could do. But this this little raspy voice right here is not built for that. Um, so I, I'm definitely inspired by people who are able to do that thing that I so desperately wish that I could have or was blessed with. Let me ask you this question. What happened? Can you hold a tune? Mm -mm. <laughs> I bet you could. I bet you could. And, I, and I'll tell you why. When you talk about raspy, let's talk about somebody like Bonnie Ray. She has a raspy voice. Mm -hmm. So what, what does that mean? I mean, I guess everything is possible, but for me personally, I don't know what it is. I used to, actually, I went to karaoke last night, and I killed my set. I did three songs. I had choreography going in everything. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and I'm in there. I'm rapping Nicki Minaj. Right, right. And I'm singing. I always, always, always have to do Boys to Men. End of the Road. Favorite song for karaoke that right. there ever was. And there are certain parts that I just, like, be like... Because I know the moment that I try to hit this, the voice is just going to cut off. Right. Like, they're not going to cut my mic. My voice is going to cut it itself. What's What's that saying? You were out of your lane. That's all. Right. Okay? Right. Right. And you got to understand those were written specifically for, for them. them. So that's what I told you. It's, it's so important, the right producer, the right manager, because you have that in you already. You have that. Me. And yes, you're you're the flower. You just don't have the right gardener. That's good. Oh my gosh. So right here on your podcast, Ashley, Howard Johnson will be more than happy to work with you. Oh, guys, I haven't yelled like this on my show in a couple episodes. I'm excited. I was just telling him we actually have a music studio, a mini music studio here in our set of the podcast place so we're gonna have to check that out one absolutely. day ah, i'm absolutely. excited i mean i love music it really like when i got behind the booth i never ever 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 felt the way i felt by anything else or doing mm. anything else seeing anything else than when i made my first song and i'm just like yo this is why everybody wants to be a rapper this is why everybody wants to be a singer this like you Real can't talk. you can't fight that feeling. Like I want more of it. But going back to something you said about the producer, I actually went to make a song and I had it all written out. I had the tight beat off of YouTube. Right. I had it lined up exactly how I wanted. I just want to go in the studio, lay down my track. Right. It was sentimental. It was important. It had a purpose and a meaning. Um, you know, I was going through things with my baby daddy. Um, but I went in there and he ruined my song. The guy ruined my song and he, it started off as one meaning, like, I don't know, for example, I love you. I want this to work. And then he made it into a song that was like, do you even love me? <laughs> and I'm like, whoa, he made my chorus into or my hook into a chorus. He was doing all this type of stuff. And I'm like, I don't like it. Wow. I don't like that. That's not what I, I asked for. That's not what I sound like. And it was just like a fight right. while I was in the studio. And he sent it to me. I paid him for the time. Right. And 
I did not go back to the studio for 365 days. Wow. It was that core of an experience. The vibe was killed. The vi the vibe was dead and buried. But it's not dead and buried now because it's still there. Yeah. You it's it's I mean? here for sure. No. I just have to not. I'm right here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm right we go, here. We going to figure it out. I can't wait. Yeah. I'm going to have a new theme song for the show and everything. Yeah, be because that, that that's magic. That's who you are. That's part of what your DNA is. And, and, and sometimes in, in finding the right gardener to be able to nurture that flower to say, well, it's not going to be as big as a sequoia, you know, pine. Uh, so, no, it's just going to blossom and it's going to be a hedge. It, it'll be a flower and it'll blossom in a different way. And that's just the right producer finding the right situation for it to happen. And that that's magic. I definitely appreciate that. I'm excited. Um, as far as your experience with music, we talked a little bit about the evolution so far, but um, do you feel that R&B uh, specifically was taken from your generation, or how do you feel about that? A lot of people won't like this answer. We gave it away. We gave it away. Why do you say that? Well, <clears throat> who buys records? Everyone. Oh. Okay. So if you give everyone what they want, why would they go anywhere else? Mm. So whatever we made as artists, the riches that a lot of artists made, when you talk about the Michael Jordans and the Magics and those different guys, history is an amazing thing. If you pay attention to it, it'll tell you everything that you want to know. It's already been written. It's like when I talk to people about a hit song, it's like hit songs, the easiest thing in the world to write. You're crazy. There's thousands of blueprints. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Literally thousands of blueprints sit down and break down my share break it down break down what the drummer was doing break down what the spinners were saying so you look at that you, you have to have critical thinking opposed to picking up a, a drum machine and stealing apart from here stealing apart from there and whatever and put it together and it's like oh boom i got it so yo wait a minute that's that's the ozzy's brother atlantis song you just put it no no. And rest in peace to our Isley brother. Yes, yes, absolutely. So, you know, so it, it's there to be taken if you put the work in. Mm -hmm. But I'll go back to, I, I digress. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it, we gave it away because we weren't paying attention. You know, we were kind of getting paid back in the day, but not a whole lot. We get two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars for a record, but then it costs us a hundred and eighty or hundred and ninety thousand dollars to make, to make the record. You know what I mean? But then you're out on tour and doing whatever, and instead of going out and getting the Ferrari, sorry, <laughs> uh, you know, and yeah, you want to invest or whatever. But when you look at that, if we had pulled together, that's what I like about the Diddies, Jay Z. Nas, those guys, they collaborated. I was like, 
number one, I would never do a CD. Well, I wouldn't do a CD anyway. I'd do vinyl. I'm old school. <laughs> um, I would never do a CD with 17, 18 songs on it. To me, it's unfathomable because how can you focus on 18 songs? Oh, my gosh. Thank you, because Chris Brown has put out albums with over 40 songs on them, and I can't even focus for the first four. No. It, it's like you go back to what we, we did. We need quality yeah. over quantity. Yeah, eight nine songs i mean my new record has got 11 songs on it which will be out plug time in, uh, in january called compelled and it has 11 songs on it but it's actually only 44 minutes long wow you know okay. it's vinyl so it's 22 and a half minutes on one side 22 and a half minutes on the other. i can't wait to get it for my sister we just you got a, a record player oh boom there yes. you go so, so yeah, we, we kind of gave it away because we didn't band together. When you go back and you look at the, the film company, United Artists, Google this. United Artists was actually started by the actors because they got tired of what the big heads were doing at Warner Brothers and all the other mm -hmm. film companies. So they started their own thing. So why wasn't there a United artists back in the 80s or the 90s or whatever yeah. before a record company started handing out a million dollars to go and do a record and and then some of us old guys and i mean i loved bobby womack loved bobby womack they gave bobby womack a million dollars in mca he went out and spent it didn't do a record it's like come on you got to be kidding me yeah, yeah. tomorrow's not promised to Ever. nobody so how 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 could you just squander Piss that off. And, yeah, you can do whatever you want to do. But what what is given to you guys as far as music? Some days I spend four or five hours a day on Instagram or Facebook or in, in my DM just saying hello. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'll stay after a concert three, four hours on the top of a limousine just signing albums, signing autographs, taking pictures because it's the least that I can do to give yeah. back. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And, and I think that's missing. And honestly, now. yeah, that that is a very, like, music is so powerful that when the artist that, that you're you're going to see or the artist that you spent your money, your time, and all of your, your you know, everything devoted into this artist and they leave, like, immediately after a show Absolutely. or they leave after two songs or whatever it may be, like, that that leaves such a, a poor taste in your mouth for the artist. Absolutely. But honestly, it's it's heartbreaking because Absolutely. it's like, but, but huh? Yeah. You know? And I've had many experiences where I've I've met artists even way before I came to L.A., you know, in high school, in college. Um, and those meet and greet experiences are just so big to that, to the individual. Absolutely. You know, whether it's just a, a handshake, a signature, you know, you made a difference in someone's life. So I, I do Absolutely. appreciate hearing Absolutely. artists that find that to be important because it is. Yeah. Like the connection with the community, they're the reason why you have this platform. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. There was a, a story and it said, a research study, and it said fangirls run the music industry. Mm -hmm. And it's true yeah. because... How many fangirls are in Taylor Swift's uh, arenas? How many are in Beyonce and Drake's and, and you know, whoever else? They're the only reason why they are in the, the stature yeah. that they are. Absolutely. Um, but I wanted to ask you, I saw another uh, thing online, and it was talking about who is the Mount Rushmore of R&B? 
And now that I have you and we're talking about this, I want to get into it because nobody can agree. Wow. Wow. We can break it down into categories, you know, female, new, old, whatever. But like overall. Well, I think they all bring something different to the table, mm-hmm. at least in my life. And and I think my encyclopedia, my musical encyclopedia of who I am and what has made me, the list is vast. Yeah. It's um, hard. The purest female vocal voice I've ever heard, Karen Carpenter. Okay. Okay. Uh, the greatest soul singer, female, in my opinion, writer, producer, vocalist, without a doubt, Aretha Franklin. Okay. Without a doubt. Okay. Aretha Franklin. I love Shaka. Loving the ladies. You know, worked with her. I mean, great. Uh, Vesta Williams. Um, Wow. I mean, the list is very long. It's hard. Um, Men. Ronald Isley. Mm-hmm, absolutely. I have to tell you the story with with Ronald Isley. I was going to, uh, I was with uh, Battle Cat, uh, DJ Battle Cat, very good friend of mine, and we were going into the uh, City National Bank, and we were opening the door. As soon as we opened the door, Ronald Isley was with Angela Wimbush, and they stopped. We locked eyes, and he started bowing to me. I was like... <laughs> Yo, Mr. Ozzy, no, stop it. Stop it. It's like the next level, you know, for the love of you. I love that. You got to be kidding. And it was like, he says, you don't understand. And I tell a lot of people this to this day. It's like, in my opinion, anybody could have sang so fine. And everybody begs to differ. And I go, I didn't do anything special. Kashif was the kind of producer that wanted exacting ways. Mm-hmm. When you go back and listen to So Fine, there's no ad libs in So Fine. Wow. I felt it wasn't me. Mm-hmm. He sang it the way that he wanted me, you know, to do it. And I was like, okay, so I really have to focus on putting me in what you want. But it was still me. So I think maybe that's how people equate and say, well, no, you were special on that. So Ronald Isley, uh, Billy, I don't know Billy's last name, from the Ohio Players. Okay. Okay. Um, One of the uh, lead singers from the Funkadelics with George Clinton, I don't know his name. Um, and a lot of my ad libs I actually got from David Sanborn because I would listen to saxophone players and I would listen to Grover Washington. So Tony Bennett, Tony Bennett actually was my neighbor when I lived in New York. Oh, wow. So sitting with him, you know, talking with him and getting some advice about certain things because I would sing popular music from back during that, that particular time or whatever, uh, Obviously, Luther Vandross got time, you know, spent with him doing studio work. And it was like, you talk about a technician. Wow. Stevie Wonder. uh, And, of course, Al Green. I mean, the the soul that 
it's still in Al Green. It's like, it's it's magical. You know, I grew up in the church, so of course I'm going to come with a gospel tent, you know, to a lot of things that I do. But also I sang opera when I was in wow high school. So the range is, you know, and, and then Minnie Ripperton. You know, I got five octaves. So I'm really all over the place, mm -hmm. so to speak, or whatever. And the list can just go on. Levi Stubbs from, you know, the four tops. I can just go on and on and on the things that I listen to, what I listen to uh, now. Am I influenced by any artists now? I was just going to ask, who do you listen to uh, of new artists? Well, my daughter. Okay. Uh, well, no, she's not a singer. She can sing. And she can whistle. Oh, my God. She's incredible. Um, when she gets into my car or my truck, I says, play your song list. Let, let me hear, you know, what you're listening to. And at some point, I'm going to let her produce me. Wow. Because she tells me, Dad, you know, you, you need to do something like this. Mm -hmm. I'm like, ah, I don't know. I love it. That ain't got no soul and this, that, and the other. I said, forget that. It's got a vibe. You'll you'll bring the soul. <laughs> right? You'll bring the soul. She so, got the vibe. So so yeah, it's uh, I really don't. I mean, I I listen to classical music a lot of mm -hmm. times when I'm in the car because I'm I'm hearing different things because like I want to write an opera. You know, I do country and western. You yes. Know, a lot of people don't know that you know that I'm a cowboy. I I wrote the theme song for the Bill Pickett Rodeo. What? You know what I mean? So li life is 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 full. I want to be a part of it. I'm also doing an album, and you guys are hearing this for the first time. I'm doing an album next year called Photosonic. Mm -hmm. I'm a photographer. Oh. And I shoot with a Rolleiflex, and I shoot with a Leica, a Q2 monochrome. I love black and white. So I'm matching my pictures with my music. I love that. You know what I mean? So, and 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 I, I really have to thank Michael Jackson in the movie industry for mm -hmm. that kind of love. Because, like, I'm a big movie buff. I go to the movie more than I care to tell people. What's the last one you went to see? Oh, my God. Um, the newest movie, uh, The Burial. With Jamie oh, with Jamie Foxx, Fox. yes. Oh, I, I was supposed to go to the premiere of that one. Oh my goodness, Jamie Foxx. It's great. Yeah, he took me to It's a lawyer movie, yes. everybody. Yes. He took me to another level. He took me to another level. And, you know, so I have to thank Michael Jackson and, you know, the movie industry because what Michael did with Thriller, mm -hmm. you know, you can tell a story. And like they always say, a picture, you know, is thousand words so i wanted to be able to integrate those two things in the launch and you're getting a first again Ooh, yeah. the launch of compelled next year in january i will only do a set of six songs and in the six songs none of them will be on the album oh okay and on the album the album is going to be a short movie that's amazing and i'm going to show the short movie, and that will be in video film form. But I'm also doing 11 to 12 videos, but in um, virtual reality. Wow. So I'm basically doing 24 shoots. This film, is 
Crazy. And and virtual reality. It, it's it's another level. Yeah. It's another level. I you won't and I won't say ever, but I'm gonna say ever. You won't ever see me on an oldie goldie show doing one hit and disappearing and hey, Howard, here's twenty five hundred dollars. I make more money selling cows. <laughs> And you meant that too. You know what I mean? So so I, I think the audience for the past, you know, my first hit, if you want it, came out in 1979. So fine came out in 1982. Mm-hmm. So the subsequent albums that I did up until this point, you, you're gonna put me on a show for 15 minutes. Right. No. Right. And I appreciate that too, because I feel like you're the type of artist that people wish their favorite artist was. Because now nobody has the time. Nobody cares about their fans. Nobody cares about who's paying money and and supporting them. Nobody cares about giving people an experience. They just show up and collect a check and pass go. And I think and I thank Beyonce for that. Beyonce, thank you. Because Beyonce Beyonce said there's no more concept albums. Mm, mm-hmm. And that's what kind of spurred me on. And I went, oh. I got some concept for you right here. Okay. You know what I mean? And and it's not when you hear the new Compelled album, it's not the typical So Fine or If You Want It. It's an amalgamation of a bigger picture of who Howard Johnson is, and it's still only a snapshot of who I am. Wow. What What would you say in all of these creative projects, what – inspires you today like what gets you up in the morning or gets you into the studio well what got me up this morning was you um coming well thank you for waking up this morning because (laughs) i'm glad we have you (laughs) i'm glad to be here um there's there's inspirations some mornings that i'll post on instagram i you know i go hiking you know in the mountains and stuff and just not playing any music Mm-hmm. And just listening to the symphony of the crows, the birds, the crickets, Silence. the coyotes, wow. you know, and, and those are the kinds of things that in, inspire me that make it keep turning in, in, in my head. I'm inspired by hearing helicopters. I'm inspired by my dogs barking. I mean, so I'm inspired by life because in 1997, one of my horses flipped over on me, broke my pelvis, and broke my back. Oh, my God. And I was paralyzed for nine months. So wow. when you kind of have that alone time and know that it can be quickly taken away from you, you start to appreciate what the grass smells like, what color it is, what color the sky is. When it rains, I says, I want to go outside in the rain. <laughs> I mean, simple stuff like that that we don't pay attention to right. until it's too late. And, and we're laying there on, on our dying bed, and all of a sudden, you know, your life flashes in front of you, and it's like, yo, that guy that talked about that dash when you were born and that dash, and then when you're gone, that dash is so important. And, and everything, everything matters. Everything matters now. So I'm inspired by everything. I'm inspired by you telling me how much you love singing and how, excuse me, how someone pissed on your parade, you know, for that. It's like you would, and I hate to use the word never again, 
but you would never see me on American Idol or The Voice or whatever. Do you think for one moment I'm going to sit in front of millions of people, in front of millions of people, and go, <clears throat> they should stay at home, keep a day job? No. Right. No. They might literally never touch never, a microphone ever again. Never. So why? Why? For TV ratings? You're kidding me. And then you got people that are judges that don't sing. <laughs> Let's get into it. You know, to, to me, that's not real. And right. even being a singer, there's still variations of what that is. There's classical music, jazz, there's country, there's American music. There's tons. of. So who's to say that that person couldn't be what well, I want to hear your story. I need to hear that story. You need to hear your story. Oh, you know what I mean? Good. Because it's like I tell people all the time about, you know, people talk about affirmations. I said, well, write it down. It looks a little different. Mm -hmm. It looks a little different than when it's in here. Right. You know, so that's when you put it true. down on a piece of paper and then you've then you've got that gardener that's he's he's giving you she's giving you all their attention. Mm -hmm. Actually, what is it? Talk to me. Talk to, how do you feel? Why do you feel that way? I got you. This man going to have me in the studio crying more. <laughs> I'm ready. Y'all going to hear it first. But um, my last question I want to ask you, um, looking back, would you change anything about your experience in the music industry and life so far? Wow. No. Period. No. Because it would. No, but or no. just no period. No, no, period. Because it would change everything. I mean, how many moves have you watched? And so I just want to change this one thing. It changes everything. Yeah. It changes everything. Okay. That particular night that I got discovered, okay, I could have been pissed and said, you know, yo, dude, it's on you. Do your thing. And I would not have been here right now. Right now. I had taken the civil service test in Florida to become a mailman. Wow. To deliver mail for the rest of my life, my working life. Wow. Because I didn't think anybody believed in me. I've never said this story publicly. When I was singing at church in the Church of Christ, I think I was 10 or 12 years old or whatever. And I remember, you know, every Sunday, you know, they would have different people get up and, and lead the song. And I got up to lead one day and one of the guys there, I name his name, said that I was too black to sing, color-wise, because he was a fair-skinned, uh, older gentleman, too black to sing. What, is that, what does that even mean? <laughs> I don't know, but it, it hurt me <laughs> deeply. So we're on the way home, and I'm sobbing in the back seat, and my dad stuttered. He's like, boy, what's wrong with, with you or whatever? Well, Mr. You know, brother such and such said that I was too black, and we, and my dad was turning around, and my dad carried a gun. Ready. Uh, I know he was my ready. My dad Ooh, reached up I under the seat, and my mom, with tears, begged him, begged him. Let's go home. Please, Frank. Please. Mm -mm, I ought to turn around. <laughs> the way I drive, uh-uh, nope, no, no. So, but, 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 you know, so, but what that means to me that I have to, I have to look you in your eyes. And tell you this, whatever it is, good, bad, or indifferent, whatever it is, do it, follow it, but understand this, 
that there's another side to it. You you see all the glory, you see the big car, the limousines, the Rolexes, and this, that, and the other, but there's an underbelly. It's frightening. When you talk, when you hear the story about Michael Jordan and how hard he worked, but you only saw the dunks and all the other stuff right. you didn't see. And like the thing with Kobe, that's what I love the special with Kobe. When they were talking about Kobe, he's like, Yo, they stayed out to four or five o'clock in the morning. They saw Kobe coming downstairs. He's going to practice. Practice didn't start till eight, but the, he's at five o'clock, three hours before, putting in the work. And a lot of people don't want to put in that work. I can't even wake up before ten. Ooh, we can make change that. But but it, it'll we be it'll be magical. But it, yeah. but it'll be magical. Because you'll be surprised. Sometimes you got to understand this. We're the most talented people on the face of the earth. You cannot tell me, no one cannot tell me, and a lot of people in New York and Chicago, Detroit, these big cities, as bad as Michael Jordan was, there was somebody on the park that could have handled him. Mm -hmm. They just didn't get the opportunity. Right. Because if you take and, and put your finger in one of our chests and they'll look at you and go, oh, you 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 talking to me? Oh, I can't do that? Like they say with the other kind, hold my beer and watch this. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So so yeah, it's it's another level. But just remember there's an underbelly to it. There's an underbelly. Mm -hmm. All of the you know, if you're a singer, That's a whole nother episode. Yes. Right there. Yeah. I, I mean, if you're gonna be a singer, you know what the easiest thing in the world to do mm. is sing. You know what the hard part is? Mm. Just getting to the gig. <laughs> Yeah. You got to put in gas. Your girlfriend is mad. Your mama calling you. Your <laughs> baby walk the mama. dog, do the yeah. laundry. But once you once you get up on stage or you're in the studio, come on now. Uh-uh. I don't, I don't want to hear that. All that you got to leave outside the yeah. door. You need to do this. If that's who you are, do that. Right. Should be no problem. So I got you. Let's go. Mm. Ah! I love this episode. I am... Feeling great. I was feeling great on the way here listening to Hojo's music, and I'm feeling even better now. So I just want to thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of The Royalty Room, and thank you again so much for stopping by. Um, definitely like, subscribe, comment, follow him on Instagram, follow us on all platforms, Legal Queen LA, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>